This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Vaccine passports. Is this the end of liberty? The end of freedom as we know it? Author, historian Don Jeffries is standing by from his home in Virginia to discuss. And then in the second hour, the wilderness doctor, Cass Ingram, will be here to talk about herbal remedies and cures found in the wild. Cures in your cupboard. Cures in the forest. Happy Easter to those of you celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. Christ has risen. Now, Orthodox Easter is very late this year, about as late as it can be, I believe. My Easter, Orthodox Easter, will be Sunday, May the 2nd. All right, sometime soon, you may arrive at an airport or a stadium or a restaurant, open an app or a flashcard, and be admitted to a place of exp- or experience that was denied you during the pandemic. You will have just deployed a vaccine passport a certification of either vaccination status or immunity following a natural infection that confirms you no longer pose a risk to others. EU leaders have backed introduction of a digital green certificate, but some countries inside and outside the EU have already announced plans for vaccine passports. The certificate, either digital or on paper, will enable anyone vaccinated against COVID or, again, who has tested negative or recently recovered from the virus to travel across all 27 member states. The EU also wants to include non-EU countries such as Norway, Iceland, and Switzerland. Key to the digital certificate is a QR code. 
machine-readable graphic code made up of black and white squares that contains personal information. Israel has the highest vaccination rate in the world. Uh, More than half the population have already received two vaccine doses. Last month, it was able to begin easing a nationwide lockdown. The app is opening up opportunities for international travel, they say. Israel has struck deals with Greece and Cyprus to uh, so that Israeli citizens with pass, uh, passes can travel to those two countries. A green pass is available to anyone who's been fully vaccinated. Uh, they have to show it to access facilities such as hotels, gyms, or theaters. It's available, again, as a paper certificate or an app which links users to their personal health ministry data. That's in Israel. With COVID vaccine passports being touted by governments, major airlines, and globalist think tanks as the best way to reopen travel and economic activities, one has to question, though, whether these digital tools threaten the fundamental rights of citizens who opt out. Many might argue that COVID vaccine passports are absolutely necessary to ensure safe travel and economic activities. And that if everybody would just agree to take the experimental jab and sign up for the app, life would be a lot easier for everybody. However, COVID vaccine passport advocates seem to disregard the right of the individual to choose what they put in their body and believe that people who refuse to participate should be denied certain liberties because this is what society expects. Vaccines, vaccine passports, and the loss of liberty. Here to discuss, Donald Jeffries has been researching the JFK assassination since the mid-70s when he was a teenager, volunteer for Mark Lane's Citizen Committee of Inquiry. He's very active on the JFK assassination forums and has been a moderator on the London Spartacus Education Forum for several years. His first published book, the acclaimed 2007 novel The Unreals, has been compared to Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz. His works of nonfiction books include Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Bullyocracy. Don Jeffries, welcome back to the program. How are you, my friend? Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. So, what are your thoughts? Is is this inevitable? Let's start with your country, the United States. Um, apparently, President Biden would like to see a passport. He's trying to work with various government departments to see if it's feasible. Is it inevitable? Is it Are vaccine passports coming to America? It certainly looks that way. I mean, a lot of us, uh, you know, especially the conspiratorial-minded ones, which... Uh, I guess I'm in that category. Uh, this is kind of what we were expecting, something like this. You know, there's a, there's a meme going around uh, that we've seen quite a bit that I think is, has a lot of accuracy to it, and that is that uh, COVID, the, um, the vaccine wasn't developed to, to stop COVID. COVID was developed to bring the vaccine on. And I think this is a lot of people look, especially when you look at people like Bill Gates, uh, that have been talking about something like this for a long time. And, of course, you you throw in things like, you know, from the, the Bible, you know, that no one will be able to buy and sell without the mark, and, you know, the people being scared of being chipped, it sure sounds like that's what's happening. And I think uh, even if we don't, don't go to quite that level, uh, I think this is, uh, has a possibility, potential, unfortunate potential to bring about like an apartheid situation 
I mean, because they, they will probably say it's not mandatory. You don't, people like me, you don't have to get it. Uh, you just won't be able to buy or sell. You know, again, bring up the, you won't be able to basically engage in any of the uh, essential functions of society. So you can stay in your remote cabin in the woods or whatever, but you, uh, if you're going to, you know, want to fly, you want to take vacations, you want to go to any sporting events, any other, any movies, any concerts, restaurants, maybe get to that point, or maybe the stores. Uh, you're going to have to have this, and I think it has the potential to, even if they somehow allow you to maybe shop or something like that, it could be shunned. And I, I it would, Richard, it wouldn't surprise me, especially with the way the left has gone completely crazy, if they did something like bring back separate bathrooms and, and drinking fountains for the unvaccinated. And I don't think they'd blink an eye if they did that. So I think this has the potential really to, uh, even beyond the Orwellian aspects of it, I think it has to, to divide us further, because... There are lots of us out there that just, you know, think that it's it's a lot more risk involved to taking this vaccine than there is any potential risk from a virus. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we we're just being met with a tidal wave of, of propaganda, and they're shutting down people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and uh, others like that that uh, are trying to talk about uh, what we're seeing with the, uh, the the side effects from the vaccines. I mean, they're they're just completely censoring it. You just had a woman. Um, was 40 years old that was a Jeopardy champion that died recently. Uh, and they call, they claim she died of natural causes. Well, she died four days after she had the vaccine. You had Hank Aaron earlier this year. You had Marvin Hagler, who, who uh, Tommy Hearns, another boxing champion, uh, had made the mistake of, of tweeting out, uh, our, our prayers go out to, ta- to Marvin Hagler, who's in ICU now, from the after effects of the vaccine. Now, they clamped down on that real quick, and they got Mrs. Hagler to issue her to, oh, no, he, no that's not true at all. Uh, so this is just, it's very disturbing that there, these things are out there. And, and we know that these vaccines, uh, you know, a lot of us don't trust vaccines to begin with. But this particular vaccine, this warp speed vaccine, which wasn't tested properly at all, I don't know if it was tested really. <laughs> it's certainly not. Most vaccines take a long time to develop, uh, not any kind of warp speed thing. So I think... This is really a, a dangerous precedent just there, and it's dangerous in terms of the Orwellian aspects, and it fits into the authoritarianism we're seeing everywhere, where they just want to control people completely. And uh, if it gets to the point where you have to have this, and I'm seeing it in my own life with my family and friends. I've got a group of friends that have been emailing me, and they're all talking about, you know, we can get together once we all have our second vaccines. Well, I, I don't think they know that I haven't had any, and I'm not planning to. Uh, so, you know, this has the potential to really, and already has, fractured families, fractured, uh, fractured friendships, because I think it's an irrational fear, especially at this point. And, but you can't, unfortunately, people are buying into this, and they are scared. I mean, the, the CDC itself is telling you that this virus is, for, for every, under, under 70 years old, it's 99 point something percent uh, survival rate. So why are you getting a vaccine that, which I think is ninety five percent effective? Right. I mean, just just do the math. Does that yeah. make any sense? It does. You know, that's but, the thing. Now, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer per se, but if you, how do you know if the vaccine is effective once, let's say, we get herd immunity? If if the vaccine, as you say, ninety five or ninety seven percent effective, but you're the odds of, you know, surviving if you get it is 99.3 or whatever. So how do you gauge whether it's a success, I guess, is my... Let me ask you this, though. Here's a, a quote from Joan Costafont, 
From the London School of Economics, vaccine passports can be used as an incentive to change behavior. They not only provide some direct benefits, but they signal what society expects from individuals. They exemplify a social norm that individuals are expected to comply with. Now, isn't that interesting? Social norms individuals are expected to comply with. Now, here's the rub. I don't know what the... I haven't seen any recent polls, uh, but ones that I saw several months ago across Canada seem to indicate most Canadians would be on board with things like mandatory vaccinations, vaccine passports, even jailing people who they claim spread misinformation about COVID. So let's say, for example, you compare COVID with the flu, they would be on board with jailing you. So that is the new social norm. And if you happen to be in the minority, and I think both of us are, uh, well, too bad for us. Yeah, and, and that's that's a that's a frightening statement there, but it's it's uh, it's indicative of the majority. And, and one thing, Richard, that is you know disillusioned me about this entire uh, uh, this uh, pandemic and, and the lockdown since it started is that it really has hit home to me how I and people like me and have this kind of mind, this skeptical mindset about these things. We're really in a distinct minority. Any way you look at it, we're we're outnumbered. There's no question about it. And so trying to convince people, and this is, this is almost, I, I almost liken this to something like the Holocaust. It's that emotional of an issue with people. I've been called dangerous, and of course they're even using the same term, denier, you're, you know, you're, you're a, a COVID denier and things like that. Uh, I've got called all that. And again, I just, especially with vaccines, I, I would not stop anybody. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot, a lot of dubious aspects to modern vaccines, but it, it, I wouldn't stop anybody from getting them. And I think, and that's, that's the difference, I think, between somebody... Uh, that is in you know our camp. We don't want to stop anyone. We don't want to tell anybody what to do. Go ahead, get you know get get twelve vaccines a year. I, I you know do what you want. It's your body. You do what you want, but don't tell me if I don't want. What happened to my body? My choice. Why why is something in the um, in the pro choice movement for abortion? Why can't that translate into other aspects of life? Where you know it's this my body, my choice. Shouldn't I have the right? To put it into, and of course, the essential thing about vaccines is, as many of us have pointed out, if vaccines work, and you have your vaccines, what are you worried about? You're protected, right? Why do you? You know, it makes no sense to say everybody has to get them. Well, <laughs> then, then vaccines, no, that makes no sense at all because the point of you getting the vaccine supposedly is to protect you. So why do you care if I have them? But I think it's clearly not. Uh, that's not the uh, the agenda here. The agenda here is control, and then that. The quote you just read from the person from London, I think that exemplifies that. They they want to. This is what they want. They want behavior modification, and that's this is what they are expect. So they're going to expect you to comply. And uh, you see this in all aspects of life, where um, ever especially in the last year since this started, they have really ratcheted up to where they're you know they'll throw you right off if you if you question uh, electoral fraud, if you question anything about. Uh, the virus. It's misinformation. It's disinformation, and it'll be taken down. Most of my posts that I make on uh, social media, you know, I'll have to get the fact checkers up there. This is true or partially true. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's very, it's it's frightening. It really is, and I think, but I you can't. It's an emotional issue with people. I see it in people I know personally. Uh, you know, we have a uh, a wedding coming up in our family, and and uh, it's it's impacting that. 
because it's going to get to the point where the uh, the mother involved there is really, really serious about this, and uh, you're seeing more and more people like her that, you know, you're going to have to be vaccinated to come to the wedding. So we're going to have to make decisions, and I think you're going to have lots of decisions like that, and it, it's, it's tragic because people have people lost their reason. They've blown us. No matter how you look at it, they have blown this out of all proportion. This is not the Black Plague of Europe. And people, when they look at these numbers, they should keep in, keep in mind that the CDC itself is telling you the flu has disappeared. It's 98% gone. So, you know, maybe the conspiracy theorists have been right all along when they said this is a bad flu, because where's the flu? Right, right. In are they rolling... Uh, yeah. The flu numbers into into right. the COVID I numbers. I don't yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. listen, I, uh, it needs to be said. You know, COVID is real. People are dying. People are getting sick. But yeah. as you say, this is not the Black Black Death, the Black Plague. This is not even the Spanish uh, flu. Um, but the idea that, for me, uh, you know, and I, for those that that um, that want to take the vaccine. God bless them. They should. I hope that, sure. that they do well with it. And uh, for those uh, that would rather not, I uh, see the idea of of testing negative to get in, into some place. I'm fine with that because that doesn't that doesn't require uh, you know taking an experimental um, agent and putting that into my body, just a swab or what have you. I'm okay I, with with what's wrong with that. Just a, a, a demonstrating. That uh, with some, we, surely we can develop a rapid test. I think they're they're already developing rapid tests. A rapid test that shows I have no symptoms and therefore I can get on a plane. I can travel where I want. I can go into a restaurant. Um, that I would be fine with. But insisting that in order for me to take part in civil society, I must have something placed into my body. That, that just uh, defies all principles and fundamental rights, uh, the, um, you know, respect Absolutely. for one's... And I, and I think we also need to, even something like requiring uh, someone to be tested, and then you run into the, again, the evidence that's out there that has been suppressed from mainstream media, and that is that there is an alarming ratio of false positives that yes. they acknowledge. So, you know, you could easily get a false positive and not get to, you know... I don't know, not kick her to a wedding or a funeral or some, some kind of a graduation or some kind of essential event. And we've already seen the impact this has had on society where uh, in the last year any number of um, older people in nursing homes where, of course, this was completely, you know, really hard hit, where it hit the worst. Uh, so many of these people died of broken hearts because they couldn't have visitors. And then it's compounded where after they die you can't even hold a memorial service in many cases. They, I mean... This is awful, and it's and it, it, the the thing is, Richard. It, it's when they and I keep trying to say, look, I, I'm not a virus. I just I don't understand virus, but I do know that uh, through human history, no virus now if, if it has acted like this. No virus has stayed this long. No virus, you know, viruses. Uh, we're told, trust the science, that viruses burn out in the heat. This one apparently didn't and doesn't. And uh, they're acting as if, you know, you hear Dr. Fauci and people like that saying that, you know, we may need to get a COVID vaccine every year. He was suggesting that. Uh, this per- I, I don't, and I, I just, I'm sorry, I just, I'm dubious of that because I know there's a different coronavirus strain that comes around every year. And that's why COVID-19 was named COVID-19 for, for 2019. It was a 2019 strain. Well, what happened, what happened, where is the COVID-20 strain? 
that was supposed to come in the fall. Is that, I mean, <laughs> is COVID-19? Well, there, there, are muta- there are a number of mutations. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, 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 so, but <clears throat> what caused it, because up until this point, we had never heard, I mean, coronavirus is kind of almost a foreign word to most people. What caused this particular strain to become so deadly that it's changed the world? Literally, it's changed the world. And I think everybody ought to be asking that question. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm open to, you know, maybe something was put in the coronavirus strain to make it extra strong or extra powerful or something, and maybe they ought to look at where, where it originated. But I think that the reaction to it has been far worse than whatever the virus was, and the, uh, just the lockdown alone has had a disastrous impact economically, and socially, it's changed us forever. I have a bunch of friends that, uh, well, I've lost a bunch of friends from this, but uh, just because I'm outspoken about it, I'm very dubious of it. I've been dubious of it from the beginning, and I'm, I'm getting more dubious as, as we go along, because, you know, how long is this going to go on? But uh, there's a lot of people that want this. My, my friends, are they're actually posting and, and you know, high-fiving each other. Uh, why should we ever take off the mask? Let, let's keep it on. Let's keep the mask on. Right, and why stop at one? Why not three? Yeah. Let's wear three masks. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's something. uh, We're we're heading into a break here, Don, but um, it has been suggested uh, that the the vaccine, because it's still experimental and and will not be, the the trials with it will not be finished until 2023, uh, and it is only to be used in emergencies, health emergencies, and so is this the reason that, that governments, provincial governments, federal governments, continue to hold on to emergency powers? Because once they declare the emergency is over, then they can no longer administer the vaccine, which is only to be administered during an emergency. Right. Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. But clearly, and, you know, I, I, just, I just don't think they're ever going to get, you know, Ron Paul... Uh, said something you know profound when this when they first started having these mandates and restrictions and closing things down. And you know when you give government extra powers like this, they never give them back. That's so true, Don. We're going to uh, head into a break. Hold on, we'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines and uh, continue to discuss vaccine passports. Is this the end of liberty? Are you fine with this? Is this something that we need to expect? This is part of the new societal norm that you must take a vaccine to participate in society. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free. 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Don Jeffries is with us, the author of Hidden History, Bullyocracy, and uh, we are talking about vaccine passports. And some are saying that social responsibility dictates that every citizen has a civic duty to get vaccinated and sign up for the digital passports. Uh, but this would seem to argue against the, uh, the, the citizens' right to sovereignty over what they put into their own body. 
and therefore a, a vaccine passport would be discriminatory against those who opt out. So, um, now Don, my feeling is that governments may not even need to, uh, although they are starting in Europe, let's say here in, in North America, the United States, Canada, particularly Canada, because the government has sort of been, as usual, slow off the mark to sort of weigh in on what they're going to do vis-a-vis passports. But I don't think that they are going to need to implement a mandatory vaccine passport. I think they'll sit back and wait for, let's say, for example, the airline industry to do it on their own, and they likely will. Major uh, department stores, maybe Walmart, um, woke Corporate corporations, as I'll call them, will will likely institute. It'll be kind of maybe initially kind of a patch quilt uh, uh, effect where some will, some won't, and then eventually more and more will demand that you have a vaccine passport to enter their their premises. And how if, if it's a a private company, how do you argue against that? Right, and that's and I think that's what the, they won't have to make it mandatory because basically. Uh, you know, as John D. Rockefeller said a long time ago, uh, competition's a sin. And that's the way our capitalist system, a uh, crony capitalist system, has always run to one degree or another. They, they follow the thought of the leader. And once a few big uh, industries say you have to be vaccinated, the rest will follow. You, you'll have some outliers. You'll have some smaller businesses that won't go along with it. But then they will be ostracized because they'll be known as, hey, you know, they don't, you know, do you really want to do business there? You know, they don't. They don't require vaccination. Their employees don't have to be vaccinated. And it will become something where people will, will shun. They won't need that much control because the people that are terrified of this, even once the, you know, presumably the virus is going to eventually go away. I mean, I, I can't believe it's going to be with us forever, but it, it certainly looks that way right now. But once it does, and if, the, if things ever go back to any semblance of, of, of normalcy, uh, still the, the people that are are so terrified of this, or maybe terrified of it coming back, will look at you, and I see it myself, and people you know, say, you're not getting a vaccine? I mean, they look at you already as a second-class citizen, and I think uh, employers will probably gradually, uh, they'll fall like dominoes, and they'll start requiring you to. Certainly government jobs will, I, I probably first off the bat, the military and things like that. It'll eventually come to the point where uh, you, you may not have it, but you will be, it'll be an apartheid system where people will know, they'll probably know what you're doing in life. Like you, you know, you may have to start your own business or something. It's the only way you, uh, you're, you don't, you know, that you aren't required to be vaccinated. And it's, it's very disturbing. It has uh, terrible ramifications. And, uh, again, they've, I think that, uh, you know, looking at it for, as I have looked at the way our leaders, our corrupt leaders rule, uh, I think they finally found on probably the uh, the most um, important factor in everyone's life, and that's their own health. And once they decided to, to you know run fear porn nonstop, and they were the media was so irresponsible, and so were the politicians right from the beginning of this, where you know they said the, the original um, uh, Lund, the guy in London who had to scale back his model thought you know half a million would die in in, in England, millions would die worldwide. So that was the model in the beginning, and people—that's what they saw, and they and they started, you know, comparing. They, we've read about the, the Black Plague, the Black Death in Europe in the Middle Ages, and uh, everybody thought, God, you know, are we going to be, you know, carting bodies out in uh, wheelchairs? So that's a terrifying thing to consider, and so that I think that mindset never really left. 
especially with the alarming, the way the media has harped on this constantly and, um, and, and really played into this. They've been really irresponsible. And you have anybody that's trying to, to do halfway uh, responsible journalism and, and roll it back a little bit and say, you know, wait a minute, you know, this is, it, this is not as dire as they're making it out to be and trying to, trying to, to point out things. Oh, no, they don't want to hear it. And I, I don't know at what point that, um, that mindset is going to leave. But it doesn't look like it's going to anytime soon, and I, you know, I'm just amazed. Like Hollywood, for instance, uh, you know, this this is they've bought into it more than anyone, and they've destroyed their industry. Same thing with the professional sports; uh, they gave up so much uh, money in, in uh, ticket sales and concessions. And I, I suspect they probably got some big time under the table uh, funds in those stimulus bills that we probably haven't uh, discovered yet. Because I don't know how else they would they would give up those kind of profits, but if they be, when those kind of things, people realize, wow, you know, things are sports are canceled, uh, movies are canceled, nothing is usual. So they really, because of the response, the response basically was to a black death, and I think that people. So that's why people are saying, well, God, you know, everything wouldn't show, wouldn't shut down if it wasn't really serious, and they're just not looking at what the actual numbers are, the dubious numbers. And they're overreacting, and, and it's all because of the way society has treated it. And so you have people, we saw, I don't know if you heard about this in, in Texas, and it is, keep in mind, this is Texas, where the governor lifted the mask mandate last month. A church, a, a Catholic priest, not a Catholic, uh, a priest called the cops on a pregnant woman in at mass who was holding her baby. Yes, I saw that. Uh, I mean, this is, I mean, this, and, and, and where it, they didn't even have to have, there's no more, and she pointed out they don't have a mass mandate, and the priest said, no, we have rules. Well, what happened to the, this, you know, you can't say the church is a private business or they'd be required to pay taxes. They don't. So that argument doesn't fly, but it's, there's no rhyme or reason to anything. But it's just, it, it, people have collectively lost their reason, and it's, for, for those of us that are trying to stay sane, it, it's really hard because people are just so emotional well, about it. Did you see what happened in Australia recently where um, a, a man returned home from, I think he was in Melbourne or returning from Adelaide to Melbourne, and mm-hmm. he arrived at home and was self-quarantining because he was awaiting uh, a COVID test, and it had to be performed within 24 or 48 hours, and he kept calling, and it wasn't ready, and it wasn't ready, and he said, well, okay, but I'm quarantining. Am I still, am I still you know, okay here? Uh, you know, I don't want to be... Uh, doing anything amiss, and they said, no, you're fine, but, but it's not ready yet. A SWAT team showed up at his house, busted into his house, and hauled him away, uh, and then proceeded to take him, you know, to different locations where if he was positive, you know, he would have been spreading it uh, anyway. He, all he was doing was what he was told to do. He was in his house, self-quarantining, and still, and still, they came for him. This is... This is life in 2021 in, in what used to be, you know, Western civilization, uh, liber- liberal democracies. It, it's so madness. The saddest thing is that you can't, you know, I've criticized America so much. And Melbourne, as you mentioned, that, is, uh, that has been one of the most draconian uh, from the, from, for a very long time. They've really had a heavy-handed uh, re- response to this, even more so than here. But, uh, you know, there's nowhere to go. This the whole world reacted to this thing the same way. There's even, you know, something like Vladimir Putin you think would be kind of a rebel about it. No, no. They really haven't, other than the Belarusian uh, 
And you had, of course, the guy in Tanzania, which is, you know, as somebody pointed out today, this is the only president of any country that was openly skeptical about it. And then and he, he died. dies mysteriously. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, again, conspiratorial fodder there, but, um, you know, this, the whole world has acted the same way to this, and it's, that's why this is unprecedented, because this is, a, this is not just a North American thing. This is a worldwide thing, and people are terrified all over. And uh, I, I, I don't know how you fight it, because it, it's point the hysteria is so bad. I, I don't. I mean, I'm writing my book about it, and I'm, uh, you know, it, it's. Um, I'm, I'm well into it. I'm going to have a smaller publisher because the big publisher is not going to publish it. And I don't know. You know, Amazon may yank it right down for all I know because they, they don't. They don't take too well to this. They don't want anybody questioning it, but. It's going to be full of facts, and it's going to be sourced mostly to the CDC and the WHO itself. Uh, and it, I hope people read it and, and just understand that this has been the most outlandish and outrageous overreaction to anything in the history of the world, and it has resulted in us losing what was left of our civil liberties. Okay, so again, we're talking about COVID vaccine passports, and let me read you. These are the, this is the UN Declaration on Human Rights. Everyone has the right to leave any country, including his own, and return to his country. That's Article 13. Everyone has the right to freedom of movement and residence within the borders of each state. Everyone has the right to freely participate in the cultural life of the community, to enjoy the arts, and to share in scientific advancement and its benefits. That's Article 27. Everyone has the right of equal access to public service in his country. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. What does security of person mean? Right? What does the security of the person mean? Isn't that, doesn't that have to do with uh, the sovereignty of an individual? Uh, anyway, those are... Um, those are some of the, uh, the articles in the UN Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, and then we have the European Charter, the European Union Charter of Fundamental Rights. Everyone has the right to respect for his or her physical and mental integrity. In the fields of medicine and biology, the following must be respected in particular. The free and informed consent of the person concerned according to the procedures laid down by law. The prohibition of eugenic practices, in particular those aiming at the selection of persons. The prohibition of making the human body and its parts as a source of financial gain. And the prohibition of the reproductive cloning, cloning of human beings. If bodily autonomy and integrity are fundamental human rights, then, then any debate on the issuance of a COVID-19 vaccine passport should, should agree on the informed consent of the individual, not mandatory adoption or coercion coming from any government or corporation. We'll take a time out, come back and get to some calls right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Again, uh, this isn't an argument against vaccines. It's not an argument against vaccines. It's an argument about an individual's right to choose what they put in their body without fear of losing basic fundamental freedoms. 
Don Jeffries is uh, with us, the author of Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776, uh, 1776 to 1963, and Bullyocracy. And, and uh, Don, you say you're working on a, a new book right now on COVID? Yeah, well, I have my book on showbiz is already... That's already that's going to be released later this year. But I'm I'm uh, working on a book. I'm, I'm tentative titles masking the truth, and uh, it's going to talk about this entire subject. But uh, you're, you're yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the vaccines issue is it's you know again it should be a, an issue of choice. What where's the choice on that? Why can't we be pro-choice on that? And, and we should have the right to you know you're, nothing else. You, they don't force you to put anything else in your body, or they shouldn't. You're not forced to donate blood. You're not forced to get any particular procedure done. So, you know, why would you have to do this if you're, I mean, as I understand, there's a lot of people that don't even want you to have a religious objection, like Christian scientists or Jehovah's Witnesses or somebody like that. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just disturbing because it just seems to me like such a power grab. And it plays into, you know, e- even if I wasn't in this world and didn't know what I know about the, the agendas of people like Bill Gates especially, uh, this plays into the hands, doesn't? I mean, doesn't it kind of prove what their point, what they're saying that you're, they're pushing this so much, you're pushing this so strongly, and uh, you know, and scale it back because you're, you're 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 certainly scaring people that are already, if if I'm already kind of dubious about the vaccines, and you tell me uh, you have to absolutely get this, you're hitting me over the head with it, and you're saying I can't do anything, I can't basically can't exist in society if I don't do it. Well. Is that going to make me feel better about it? I mean, it's... <laughs> right. Uh, and the other thing that, that should send off the fire alarms uh, or the red flags is when they say the science is settled. Uh, if When someone says that, run in the opposite direction. <laughs> okay, I mean, there are certain things, yes, we can agree on. The science is settled. The, the sky is, is blue, and the sun rises in the east, and it sets in the west. But, you know, those are extreme examples. I, I have a weekly um, radio show, or sorry, a, um, uh, a daily uh, program, four to six, and I, and I talk to uh, medical doctors. And I, and I recently spoke with the top public health official in a York region, uh, which is just north of Toronto. And um, I don't know how many people are in York region, two, two and a half million maybe, I'm not sure, but a million and a half. And uh, he doesn't agree that, that there is a third wave, and he doesn't agree that we should be locking down. So the idea that there is this unan- unanimity, you know, when we were familiar with the, uh, the Barrington Declaration, all of these virologists and immunologists that have signed on, you know, thousands and thousands of them, the science is not settled, and there is disagreement. Uh, so, anyway, let me uh, grab a quick call here, Don. Uh, Skip is in Connecticut. Hello, Skip. Well, Don, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Uh, first of all, I think this could be uh, being spread by uh, aerial uh, sprays. Uh, you know, you had these ships in the Pacific where the sailors got the virus and were never at land. Now, how did that happen? Well, I don't know. I don't want to get into too far. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's, but it's also, not air, let's first of all, you know, people that are running around saying that this is airborne, that's nonsense. It is not airborne. If it was airborne, everybody would be right. People would be collapsing in the streets. It's aerosolized. Right, okay, but, okay, you've got people, for example, within the industry, you've got... Uh, Michael Yeadon, who was global uh, vice president, uh, director of global science for, uh, for Pfizer, 
saying that this is an, uh, basically uh, going to uh, depopulate, ma- result in massive depopulation. Now, why did he choose that word depopulation? Because he's saying that this could intent, this is intentionally done to kill people. Well, these vaccines, I don't, I, according yeah. to him. Well, according this guy to him. Was t- a top guy in Pfizer. Well, I don't know about what he said, Skip. I just, I, I, well, how do you feel about the vaccine passport? That's what I'd like to talk about. Well, I agree with Don. I, I just think it's it, it, it's a bully tactic. It's coming from people like Bill Gates, who actually runs the United States, and they're treating people like animals and hurting them like animals, basically. Uh, it's It's hijacking people's actual DNA and RNA. Well, I, don't I mean, know, what I don't could be that. more invasive? The key word is invasive here. Well, I know? don't know about hijacking RNA or DNA either, but uh, it, is, it is, to me, co- it's a form of coercion, and it shouldn't uh, be yeah. allowed. Skip, thank you for the call. Always great to hear from you. Uh, do we have time? Let's squeeze in Diane in North York. Diane, welcome. Hi, Richard. Hi there. Pleasure to speak with you. Likewise. Um, I'm totally against it. I'm... Uh, pro-choice, and um, all my life I've never taken pharmaceuticals. I'm into naturopathic medicine, homeopathic medicine, vitamins, minerals, um, and there's a lot of research and studies that have gone into the efficacy of vitamin D3. It's been spoken of uh, maybe only once or twice on mainstream media, and then they drop the story. But uh, people that take vitamin D3 um, uh um, our, the efficacy is not 93%, and if you're vitamin D3 deficient, you go down to 62%. And the people that got very ill with COVID, severely ill in Spain, were all deficient in vitamin D3, and the ones admitted into ICUs all over the world were all deficient in vitamin D3. And so um, you, this is what I don't understand, is they never bring on any other experts. They only bring their own experts. Exactly. Why have they never had a naturopathic doctor. Well, I, yeah, exactly. you know, I don't come think on. You, and, I don't even and think you need about, a naturopathic um, doctor. The vitamin D. Right. I don't think you even need a naturopathic doctor. I, you know, there are plenty of medical doctors, and again, I speak to them on my radio program, who talk about early, interven- early intervention and things like ivermectin, um, which seems to show, I mean, a number of, of studies, peer reviewed studies, seem to show it's very, very effective. And yet, it's like you're not allowed to talk about it. This is ridiculous. It's like the vaccine or nothing. And we should be suspicious about that. That's all I'm saying. Again, not anti-vaccine. Uh, but the idea that you must have a passport in, in order to participate in life, um, it's, uh, it's very disappointing. All right, back with more of our discussion. Don Jeffrey stays with us. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. 
corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. John Jeffries stays with us, the author of Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, A Bullyocracy, a new, a new book coming out on show business. What's that book called? Uh, on Borrowed Fame. On Borrowed Fame. And uh, where will that be available? Amazon? Pre-order? Yeah. It's got, well, no, not yet. It's still, uh, I've, I've turned the final manuscript in, and uh, we're just getting the final blurbs in. I have some nice blurbs from some old showbiz people, so uh, it, it's... I don't have a date yet for it, but it's going to be this year at some point. So. And uh, Survival of the Richest, the new foreword uh, by Naomi Wolf, who is uh, very much in demand. I know I've been trying to uh, get her on a, a program. She's been, <laughs> she's been along with Bobby Kennedy uh, Jr. talking about uh, t- uh, coming tyranny in America and so forth, the stages of tyranny. Uh, she's been on uh, with Tucker Carlson on Fox talking about it. Very eloquent. I, I don't see eye to eye with her on a lot of things. Uh, but on this, I mean, I think she's just spot on, and she's an ally, really. Yeah, um, and I think what, what that, that, the first caller brought up, too, is that uh, when he was talking about the, you, know, the, you hear so many things about the DNA. Someone else has told me it, uh, that at least one of the vaccines blocks some kind of natural tumor blocking. I mean, you hear all these things that something could be chipped in there. The fact that people have these concerns, there ought to be a, date, a debate about it. So let's have somebody uh, like uh, Bobby Kennedy or Dell Bigtree or Naomi Wolf have an open debate, and you know, maybe uh, maybe we're just concerned about nothing. Maybe we're maybe we're just stupid and we don't get it. But uh, you know, I, I would like to see some of these mainstream uh, scientists and doctors debate the uh, the the, uh, the people that are skeptical about it, and uh, let the people decide. Because uh, you know, I, I'm certainly persuaded by it with everything else, and I, I don't. I, I'm certainly at least skeptical enough not to. I believe there's more risk involved in it than uh, is necessary. So I think we ought to have that choice. All right, let's say hi to Josh in Toronto. Josh, go ahead. Josh, are you there? Hello. Josh, you're on the air, sir. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, good. As long as you're on this phone. Okay, I just uh, got shocked by that experience. My mind went blank. I'll have to improvise. Basically, um, hopefully I can finish my statement and ask a question interactively without being cut off. Um, Okay, my voice in the living room. Okay. Basically, I would like uh, one or both of you to please tell me what would be a wise response to someone who, well, I guess it's hard because they're, they're engaging in denial or cognitive dissonance. I was listening to another radio station, and I believe that whenever there is a commercial that states, this message has been brought to you by the government of Ontario or the government of Canada, the truth is these messages are paid for by taxpayers of Ontario and Canada. However, they're self-serving types of folks. And when it comes to a radio station getting funding by with our taxes, the DJs are sometimes, if not brainwashed, I would think bribed or compelled, as I think was mentioned in Event 201, if you will, for lack of better terms or uh, paraphrasing here, um, to keep on saying that we're conspiracy theorists. Well, the only theory I see going wrong every month or every other month from Dr. Tam and Dr. Devil is their projections. Those are theories, and they've been incorrect every step you're right. Yeah, they're modeling. So what's the response yes. for someone like that? Secondly, before I get hung up on here... I'm not going to hang up on you. Just relax. I... It's okay. You can talk. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. Go ahead. Is uh, I found out a discovery by mistake. I, I don't know if this will work for everybody, and I'm not giving medical advice, but I think it's worth trying. I was someone coughed in my face in January 2020, 
And uh, I told him, you, you know, you cover your mouth. He cut across my face five more times. I said, you know what? He goes, it's cold outside. I go, well, you're inside. My mother brought me up. Your mother dragged you up. So I had this cough on me for nine months. No word of a lie. Antibiotics didn't work. And then um, I thought, take some vitamin D plus three in a pill. Well, I tried one. It didn't work. I tried two. That didn't work. I tried swallowing it by itself, but it fuzzed up in my mouth, almost choked me. That didn't work well. And then by mistake, there were lies. So I slapped the can really hard, and about five or six came out. I guzzled it down with a lot of water. It was very tangy. It was nice. The next day, for the first time in history of nine months, I stopped coughing. So there is something, I believe, to this vitamin D3 plus zinc, which I was taking, but it wasn't doing much unless I guess it worked harmoniously with the D3 and the C, which was in those capsules, or the fuzzy wuzzy uh, fuzz. Right. No, I got you. No, we're here anecdotal. It's, you know, there's some anecdotal evidence for sure. And and, uh, early intervention. There's a number of things that could have been uh, offered up, but why... Why vaccines or nothing? It's very suspicious. Josh, thanks for the call. There's an interesting study from, again, the CDC, and, and, um, and that is that 78%, okay, nearly 80%, this is in the United States, Centers for Disease Control, nearly 80% of people hospitalized for COVID were overweight or obese. Uh, about 78% of people who have been hospitalized, needed a ventilator, or died from COVID have been overweight or obese. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said in a new study that was, uh, well, that was last month. That was early on in March. So that's interesting. Uh, And also, um, you know, even the World Health Organization saying lockdowns do not work. And I spoke with a Danish economist on my program on Saga 960 this past week who did a uh, study, looked at 24 countries across Europe and uh, lockdowns and found they were not effective. And this has been echoed elsewhere in other studies, all right? So when people say the science is in, lockdowns work, no. The studies, there may be some studies that show that lockdowns are effective, but there are also many studies that say categorically lockdowns are not effective. And even the World Health Organization said, no, this is not, this is bad policy. So um, anyway, people can do with that what they will. Uh, So what happens, uh, Don, if vaccine passports uh, come to America which seem inevitable, and you can no longer go to your favorite restaurant down there in Virginia or go to the movies or go to, I know you love, you know, your rock concerts, like me. You can't go to those. You can't go to a football game. You can't go. What what are you going to do? Well, we're either going to be forced to live as second-class citizens or we're going to bite the bullet and get the vaccine. I mean, I, you know, let's say as much of a, as an opponent I, I, I am up to, up to this forced vaccination, if I hadn't been involuntarily retired from the, uh, the actual working world a few years back, and if I had still a job where I was being paid a salary rather than just a full-time writer, I, and I, you know, odds are I was in the healthcare industry, so probably I would be <laughs> certainly required to get one. I would probably, I don't think that I could be principled enough to give up that kind of salary. And I don't think very many other people can either. So I'm, I'm kind of able to do it because I'm, I'm a writer. At this point, you know, nobody's going to has told me yet that we're not going to publish your book unless you prove you're vaccinated. But it might come to that. I don't know. But I think we need more opposition, and uh, the, it's it's going to come because that that's the way that you can see it coming. The authoritarianism is just on steroids, and there's just not a p- enough people um, opposing it, unfortunately. And uh, especially now in America with having what basically a one-party system. We have one party in power, and it's my Same old here. party, the Democrats. Same here. 
We have a one-party system. That's what the, yeah. And that's the only reason the conservatives up here, which are by and large controlled by the, sort of the liberal wing of the party, the red Tories we call them, the only reason they're not merging with the liberals is because they want to man- maintain this illusion that we have yeah. a two-party – well, it's more than two parties, but those are the two main ones. There's no difference between the liberals and the conservatives. All right, let's take one more quick call. Ludwig is in Scarborough. Hello, Ludwig. Just wanted to um, um, say something first and then ask the same question regarding uh, the vaccine. Uh, it's known, although hidden, but because it's inconvenient truth, that uh, Mr. Bill Gates is hunted by some other governments. It's on the, on the list of people that I would say criminals because they're accusing him about um, you know, specific um, effects of the vaccines that he administered in Africa, for example, where um, uh, girls that have been vaccinated, they've been having difficulties conceiving babies. Now, um, let's say that we are older people. Let's, I don't talk, talk about you, but I'm older. I don't expect to have babies. But what about young generation? What about uh, people that will get vaccinated, nothing happens. I mean, um, the blood cloth and all that, it's not really that severe, but nevertheless it is. But let's say they would like to have a baby soon, 10 years from now. They can't. And, and, and um, it also, in, in all that, so how anybody would tell me what the long-term effects would be, just like the, in the Germany uh, in the 60s they had this painkiller, then, then there were deformities of babies, and, and that's what have happened. And we don't know that. We just don't know that. The only thing that we know is that basically um, with the government, government, as we all know, has ultimate, ultimate uh, uh, monopole on uh, violence. In other words, you can't kill, they can you can't put anybody in confinement, they can. Uh, you can't order somebody to do something, they can. So we're living in the world already the way it is, and they are still more hungry for power over our yeah. bodies, as somebody has said already. So, Lud- Ludwig, i got to wrap it up because we're almost okay. uh, at the top of the hour. But thank you for your call. A point's taken. Uh, I agree with much of what you said. And, yeah, long-term effects, I don't know. Not a virologist, not an immunologist. Uh, but I have a right to ask questions and be concerned and not to be coerced into taking it, and all of us do. Don Jeffries, always a pleasure. Uh, the uh, the website at uh, WordPress, quickly. Uh, DonaldJeffries.wordpress.com. Keep it in under my blog. All right, and we look forward to um, the next couple of books coming our way. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure. The Wilderness Doctor, Cass Ingram, next. The Cure is in the Cupboard. Stay with us. Live. From Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. The Wilderness Doc, Cass Ingram, is here to discuss natural cures, cures you can find in your cupboard, cures found in nature, cures found in the forest, in the mountains. And uh, we'll open up the phone lines for questions around the bottom of the hour for uh, Cass Ingram. And uh, I'll be, uh, just a, a couple of programming notes, I'll be sitting in for George Norrie next uh, on Coast to Coast AM this coming Friday, April the 9th, and uh, hosting again on Saturday, April the 10th. 
Uh, and also, you can listen to me every weekday afternoon. The all-new Richard Serrett Show airs from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Saga 960 AM. Stream it live at Saga960AM.ca. Saga960AM.ca. And uh, for those not familiar, Saga is uh, as in Mississauga, a big city just to the west of where I'm sitting, Saga, S-A-U-G-A, S-A-U-G-A, Saga960AM.ca. All right. Uh, He is... um, Back after a, a bit of an absence, he's, I've known Cass Ingram for over 25 years, and um, he's a nutritional physician. He received a B.S. in bi- bi- Bachelor of Science in Biology and Chemistry from the University of Northern Iowa. He has written, I believe it's now 30 books, maybe even 31, on natural healing. He's given answers and hope to a millions through lectures on thousands of radio and TV shows. His research and writing have led to countless uh, discoveries. And uh, Kaz Ingram presents hundreds of health tips and insights in his many books on health, nutrition, disease prevention, uh, herbs. He is one of North America's leading experts on the health benefits and uh, disease-fighting properties of wild medicinal spice extracts. He's a popular media personality, appeared on over 5,000 radio and TV shows. He travels the world, well, pre-COVID anyway, he traveled the world promoting perfect health, the natural way. Just a, a, a few of his books. The Cure is in the Cupboard. We'll talk about that. The Black Seed Miracle. Natural Cures from Wild Tree Resin. Foods that Cure. Natural Cures for Diabetes. Natural Cures for Killer Germs. The Health Benefits of Wild Oregano Oil. Hey, Cass, how are you? Good. How are you doing, my friend? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, you know me, I'm taking my, my P73 wild oregano oil under the tongue, and uh, nothing can stop me. Well, you should do that, and, and we've got some other data about other supplements that everyone should be considering. There's a couple of things. <clears throat> One is there's an ever-present danger from the vaccine itself, which we, we have to cover. I just finished the book on it. And then the shedding. Uh, anytime you get you start to deal with septic material or different kinds of materials from blood products, there's what we call shedding of the germs, which you can get in a daycare, you can get in a preschool, you can get in a kindergarten, and you can get it at home. Well, unfortunately, there's evidence that this particular shot is also shedding and that an innocent bystander or a wife or a husband who doesn't really want to get this, who just wants to continue with their immune system, look for stuff in nature, or whatever, or oil of oregano, or whatever, and uh, they get sick from this. This is kind of a public health disaster that we have to outline. All right. So you, um, the last time we talked, you had told me about some interesting studies uh, that originally were intended, I think, to disprove the efficacy of certain spice extracts and herbs in fighting certain pathogens. And they ended up actually proving what they were trying to disprove. They, they affirmed, which you've been telling us for many years about these things, even though yeah, they, I mean, their intention was to disprove it. Yeah, because you've got to follow the money, right? And if there was a natural you know, substance that kept you healthy or killed all the germs and could replace all the antibiotics or drugs, potions, and nostrums, uh, then 
and could reduce the amount of surgeries. That's an impact on hospitals and pharmaceuticals. So, so the federal government works for the pharmaceutical, and they were contracted, apparently by some insider or whatever reason, they were contracted to say this. This was about 1999. We're going to prove that the use of oil of oregano or any, and we'll talk about oregano primarily because we use a lot of it, and it is a germicide. We use the P73 stuff, and there's something else. Regarus will tell you about the data on that. But anyway, so they, they said we're going to prove it's useless and that any spice is a useless endeavor, quote-unquote. This was F. Andron, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, who said that. So then they set out to do the study with the, with the oregano oil to prove it was useless. So it could scandalize a guy on the radio or something. I don't know what. They didn't get the good results, though. And what they were the didn't res- get the results they wanted. Right. And what were the results? The results were the first time she sent it to the laboratory, it, it killed all the pathogens in very small dose. Oil of wild oregano, super strength. And she said, you, you screwed up. You put chlorine in there or something. You know, you go back again and study this because they had an agenda. Well, it killed everything. Then the third time was a charm because it killed everything again. So she realized that it wasn't a lab error. This stuff is a germicide. Okay, and when you they say... They published on this now. Right, and and what were the, some of the pathogens? Like bird flu, which is Well, pretty, no, no, no. Well, that's a different study. Okay. Uh, they were just looking at food poisoning, molds and bacteria and shigella and salmonella and pseudomonas and, you know, things that... Realistic problems that we face 70 to 80 million cases a year... Forget the coronavirus. Think about this. 80 million uh, of food poisoning. Wow. And, and that's a lot of people, a lot of da- deaths as well. And so they were checking all these bad guys, and the oregano killed them all. Then they took tuna fish and put it in some a little bit of this. I think they used the P73 material. So they, they just put some of it around the tuna fish. And it kept, you could eat the tuna fish 90 days. Now, you know how bad tuna fish goes in three days. Right. That's the fresh stuff. So you could still eat it after three months. I mean, you know, all that money, that was like a million dollars for nothing. They spent wasted. They could have, like, evaluated. So they've known. Now, here's the issue. They knew in 99 that if there was an epidemic or food poisoning, that we should be telling people about oil of oregano. It was a relatively inexpensive way to protect the public. Now, then, they, uh, we, I treated some cases of coronavirus SARS in Canada. Hmm. They were bad shape. You know, they got it on the airplane, and they were like 15% fatal disease, that, that SARS. And I used the oregano oil, the juice, and something called oregoresp. I hope you can find that. This oregoresp was just a hammer. And I, I gave it to them. Now, and then I did the study after this because so, I, I had the two people recover that should have been dead. And I was giving it to them every half hour, every hour. Uh, I did the study, and I published it, where we destroyed the human coronavirus. You ever hear of that? In in 15 minutes, 99.99% kill. That's in, that's in, in what do they call that, in vitro? In vitro. In vitro. Okay. I'm doing in vivo now in humans, but that was in vitro. And, but it's still a good study. I mean, 
hey, you should look at it, and, the, and then you kill the bird flu, which is 60% fatal. We did that, and we killed the influenza. Now, I, do you know I worked with the WHO on this issue? Really? Yeah. I, I, well, they went into China, and they were worried that they would contract SARS, and then, you know, 20% fatal. Well, it's kind of gone now, but... But, so I gave them the oil of oregano, super strength, the oregoresp. You see, this is an important... I've got to tell you about the study on this. And the oregano spray. None of them got sick. None of them got anything. They didn't get a fever. They were in China. Hmm. But, and they know about this. So instead of saying something about it, they've got to protect their monopoly. We'll play them and get the game out, and we'll play... You know, at least nobody can, you know, the mask police won't stop you from playing Monopoly. <laughs> uh, now, that one of those studies, they after that study where they showed that the, the uh, wild oregano oil was so uh, potent against these, you know, food, food poisoning, uh, E. coli and, and different things like that, uh, salmonella, didn't they develop a... a um, something to wrap the food in? Yeah, I mean, the USDA called me, and they said... They weren't nice. They, oh, we want that oregano oil. I, I, you know, I don't know anything about it. This was 1999. I was naive, so I sent it to them. Then they turned around and put a patent on it. They made a biofilm for use in, uh, like, luncheon meat so that you wouldn't get listeria and drop dead. So they made a well, biofilm out of the wild oregano oil because it would protect the food from getting yeah. E. coli yeah, or salmonella. We studied all of this. Now, they should have at least said, well, we learned about it from Dr. Ingram and his novel research in the cure in the cupboard. Instead, they said this. Who is this guy writing this book? You know, this book makes claims. When they, we should you know, destroy the company. And then the senator told me, a congressman said, we know all about your oregano oil. What, who's not my oregano oil? <laughs> it's, got him. it's Moses' oregano oil. You might as well go back to the Bible. This is the Old Testament. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to Canada shortly thereafter, and there was a guy there, James Frolic, I think. I don't remember his name. He said, you're going to sit on a curb with a tin cup. That's all you're going to have is a beg to, to survive because we're taking over the oregano business. I'm going like, why are you even bothering with my time? I'm not in it for that reason. I've written the books. I've done the lectures. And, the, you know, I've created the for, some formulations. But it's not just about power and money, right? I've never taken a check. I should. I should take it to 10 checks a day. Because now that was we used to be about a eight hundred million dollar industry. Now it's eight billion dollars. What is eight billion? The herbal oregano herbal, oil. Oh, just oregano. Just the oregano yes. oil. Just, just the oregano. Just the oregano. My lord. And uh, so, and then of course Tyson or, or Bell and Evans and you know Purdue Chicken and so it's used in farms, not just and then perfumes and it's not just oregano oil, but but anyway now. Now, I'm doing some important scientific evaluations. I did one myself, against all odds, on the human coronavirus COVID-19, whatever that is. I don't know what it is. I've written three books, but I still don't know what it is. 
I just know that people were getting sort of a scratchy throat, my nurses, my 50 nurses. So, so I took 20 of them. Some of them went on the respirator. Some of them were pre-respirator. Well, I took 20 of them, and I put them on a protocol of three or four things. And they all recovered, including one woman, who, a nurse, who coded and was set to die, and they used the formulations, natural formulations, she recovered. You should interview her or something. Now, I completed that scientific study and found two cofactors that people might find curious. You ever hear of Ollie Mill? No. Ollie Mill in Alberta, the biggest outbreak in Canada. Pork consumption. Hmm. People who were handling quite a bit of pork and cooking it, cooking it once or twice a week had about nine times the risk for getting sick. The second one was the flu shot. The nurses who took three flu shots got worse than those who took one. You see, we found some things. Interesting. But that, well, we should point out, though, that's 50, that's a study with 50 people, right? No, that was only 20. Now, the 20. 50 okay. nurse study is a good one because... That's just like Pfizer, I mean, or Moderna, or whatever the name was. They only did 45. So we did 50. We kept these 50 nurses, this is a second study, from getting anything for over a year. Then they went out, and, that's, and we used the spray to the back of the throat, oregarest material, and the oil of oregano, which is common in, in Canada. Four or five big brands one I wouldn't bother with, called 93%. can't find 93% in nature, so if you see the 93, don't go anywhere near. If you see standardized, don't go anywhere near with it. I can't really say what else you want to do. You know, wild mergano, that's about it. Now, so what we did was we protected them from getting anything, not even a, a, a positive COVID diagnosis. Then they said, we're going to get the vaccine. I said, what do you want to do that for? You're taking the oregano for one year. Well, we're going to get it. So the, all 50 of them got the Pfizer shot. Now, you would expect 10% to get sick, 20%, 50%. Nobody got sick. The oregano protected them against the, food, uh, the, the, the COVID shot, which is, uh, you know, I just wrote the book. It's a disaster. People pulling vaccines, destroying lots, countries pausing. What kind of thing is that? Nursing home fatalities causing change in policy. Well, how do you, if you, you take a drug and you have to, in one month, change your policy because it proves to be too toxic? That doesn't make any sense. So You can't just do that. So what is, when we say wild oregano, um, what is so special about wild oregano? Well, there's an energy, you know, that's 10,000 feet above sea level, level where no human being is. And so you want the wild stuff because it's more than just the germicide, the antiviral, the antibacterial. What is in that energy, that divine, uh, you know, Old Testament stuff that is there, whereas the Greeks are commonly now growing it at sea level, and that's grown in Texas and Saskatchewan and being sold as oil of oregano in the marketplace. <clears throat> so it might look like oil of oregano. It might taste a little bit like it, maybe. It's not going to be as good as the wild but, stuff. But the wild stuff that grows at high elevation is the, is the most potent. Yeah, on the rock. On yeah. the rock versus... It doesn't like dirt. 
You can force it by cloning, and that's what they do. They alter the chemistry of it over in Greece and in Saskatchewan. I don't know if it's Saskatchewan, but Texas, we know for sure, Keeman Labs. So they alter it, they force it in the greenhouses until it grows in the dirt. So dirt or rocks, you choose. Right. The idea that it, that it grows out of the rock, would, what does that suggest? I mean, it is, it is, if it's able to grow out of rocks, what is it, dissolving the rock? Well, yeah, it's acidic. Yeah, it's dissolving. And uh, you need acidic to kill these germs. You need, you know, like hydrochloric acid. So then what, you take the wild, uh, wild oregano, organic wild-grown oregano, and then what do you do with it? You, you take it as drops under the tongue or gel caps it? or the juice essence. The village chief said you've got to use the juice essence to get rid of disease. That's the, the drinkable kind. But, or, but what do you do with the wild oregano plant to turn it into, let's Oh, say, they distill it. You know, if you, if you try to cold press it, it's a weak germicide. But if you, you use distillation, you get a strong one that uh, is uh, acrid, really kills anything pretty much. And why is it called P73? P73 stands for phenolic power and original phenolic. Uh, uh, I think the researchers coined that as a blend of two or three kinds of wild oregano in the mountains. And it's your marker for or the original wild oregano. It's not a copycat. And what does phenolic mean? Phenolic would be like carvacrol and thymol and phenolic compounds like, like for example, eugenol and clove. A simple benzene ring that is really aggressive to destroy viruses and bacteria. A very simple molecule. It's dispensed through the body quickly, does not accumulate, has no toxicity. Well, we want to use these phenolic-rich oregano oils if we have an infection, if we have COVID or we have suspicion thereof or we have, we don't want to test positive, we want to take it daily. Um, we might have food poisoning. We might have just fungus. I mean, look, the case history. So I'm going to this health food store. I see 200, 250 people lecture and one-on-one. And I see one case of COVID-19 and 200 cases of fungus. You know, say foot fungus, athlete's foot, vitiligo, alopecia, air, uh, uh, the, the ringworm, and the coated tongue, and candida, and bloating, and irritable bowel, and spastic colon. I don't see COVID-19. I've been to 20 health food stores. I see one case out of 100, one case out of 200. You know, people have their problems, their issues. And that's where the oregano comes in because it's a germicide. It can, cleans that stuff out. And I, 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 I mean, we got to use it. I, I think I was, I had, you know, you, you heard talk to me the other day. I wasn't doing too good. The dentist, he, he grabbed four or five of my teeth at once, and this germ had been there for 50 years underneath there, and it went everywhere. And that killed, just about killed me. I used the oregano to beat it back. <laughs> I, used a, I used a huge amount. I could have taken the antibiotics, but I just I thought I'd you know use the natural. 
All right, we're going to take a timeout, Cass. Stay with us, and we'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines if people have uh, questions. The cure is in the cupboard. Natural cures from wild tree resin, foods that cure. The cure is in the forest. Natural cures for killer germs, health benefits of wild oregano oil. Back with Cass Ingram right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Cass, you've been sending me uh, care packages for many, many years, and I always have. we always have wild oregano oil around the house. And I've told you this before. I don't know if I've ever shared it on the radio, uh, maybe on my podcast. But when my uh, – I have twin boys. And they're now 14. But when, when one of them was – he might have been three – and uh, he woke up in the middle of the night, and he had that barking cough. And, and I know what that sounds like. What yeah. That, was. I, that, that sounds to me like the croup. The whooping or something. The whooping cough or the croup or something. It was, it was very distinct, that barking cough. And he had also, he had a very, he was burning up. He was um, almost hallucinating. He was. Oh, yeah. And so wh- what am I going to do? So I, I thought of the, the, uh, the oregano oil, and I rubbed it on. I remember you and I had talked about this once before, years before. I rubbed it on his shins, and I rubbed it up and down, the small, uh, up and down his spine. And uh, I took him to bed, um, our bed, with us. And, and um, the next day, nothing. <laughs> so it's like, where did that go? Now, I'm not saying that the oregano oil cured croup. You can't say well, that. But what oh, did, you, know, you see, the oregano... It collapses the germ. Okay, it if you have a virus or a communicable disease or a childhood disease or a measles or whatever or mumps or with this garbage whooping cough, you rub it on. It gets into the lymph. You take it internally. Whatever the germ goes from eight gazillion boom. It, you know any common germ is done. So, you know, tougher things like hepatitis C and herpes, like in my situation, the dental, that takes some time. But but these little kids are nothing. And, so, and another time, I was, uh, this was uh, 2013, I was in Greece with my two little guys. They were seven at the time. And my other little guy had a really bad earache. Oh, yeah. And he was in such discomfort, and it was like two or three in the morning, and, and, uh, and I, I thought, what, what can I do for him? So I took that oil and I just warmed it up a little bit on a on a on a stove and I don't know if I should have done that you'll tell me but anyway I took then I took an, uh, the the um, the eyedropper again and I just put a couple of drops in his ear and I thought you know what could it hurt well, let's see what happens and again the, the ear ache was gone, it was gone. within an hour yeah it's uh, that's that's I I don't know if always it's going to work that quickly but two or three doses does the job for these kids. But what and, would that do? What would the or, or oregano oil do for well, a Well, there's three things it does. It's an antihistamine or anti-reaction, so we don't know if he has allergy or what that earache was from. It's anti-cytokine, so it's going to collapse that cytokine response that leads to the deaths that we're seeing from the disease or from the vaccine or what happened, you see. 
So you, you stop that. That's what we had with the 50 nurses. Why didn't they get some reaction? Because we were shutting down the cytokine. And the third, the biggest one is that if there's a germ, it's going to eat the wall out. You know, it chooses an ascarotic agent, which means you can look up ascarotic. It's going to chew on the wall, chew on the biofilm, and then shut the germ down. And it does it in small dosage. We were successful at 0.01%, which is a one in a thousand, I think, in 99.999% kill of the coronavirus. <clears throat> so we were successful in at least five people. I wish I could have got to all of them that were on the respirator. All we could do was rub the oil on the soles and on the shins, and they got off the respirator and went home. <clears throat> These are coronavirus victims. All right. How could it be? You rub it on the feet is enough to do the job. Mm. You know, it, how can you explain that? You treated, you had a uh, Lyme disease so bad because you're always stomping around the woods and you got Lyme disease. Bad one. Um, you were in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair. They used to haul me up, and two, three people, to get me to the restroom or the kitchen. I'd scream. And uh, I didn't know what the hell. Why am I going to get rid of this? Finally, I took such huge doses of the oregano and the oregaresp, oregamax, bone active. I did its protocols in my book. I just used the natural, and I got rid of it. I got, I got back on my feet. I used to hobble and, and crutch my way to do lectures. I, some lectures I did from the wheelchair. How long did that take? It took me two years, my friend. Two years? Two, two years of misery. And how often were you taking... Oh, I'm not very good. I'm a terrible cohort. So I would take it and then fizzle out. And now when I, when I treat people, I keep them on the protocol until they knock things out. Finally, I got so sick of it, I just pounded it. In about 90 days, I pounded it out. I used the oil, the juice, the oregaris, the bone active. Those were the big ones. So what's the difference between oregano juice and oregano oil? Well, you know, when the villager chief he said, why are you Americans so enamored with this oil of oregano craze? We didn't do any of it. We didn't sell any of it. We, all we do in the village is we sell the juice. Well, okay, so you have the steam. The steam is running through and extracting the oregano oil. It goes into one drum. They have to do something with that steam, so they condense it. And it's a, it's a spicy steam. It's and that's acrid. The, that's the juice. Yeah, that's what they regard to be the supplement. And you just, and, what, do you just drink it? Yeah, they just drink. I've got some right here. The one with the pomegranate and the muscadine is really easy. And I'm drinking this stuff down. It's helping with this stupid dental thing. Mm. And so, what do you? I mean, so we how, use how it people, in our nurses too. How do by people the way. decide then? The oil or the juice? The juice. The juice. They use more juice than oil. The nurses. Right. And they got spectacular results for tough, deep cough with this, with this supplement. And how do you drink it? Like a, just a glass? A, a... Yeah. So it's like a flask, and I mean, you could pour it into your one ounce a day shot glass or half an ounce, a tablespoon. Or, like me, I just open it up and drink it down. But it's ionic, so it penetrates the tissue. So if a person has chronic cough, we say, well, what do you use this juice for? Chronic cough, congestion, garbage, junk, bronchitis, garbage, junk. 
in the chest. You know it's not COVID. You already had 17 tests. You had somebody stick a bunch of you know things up your nose. So you say, well, what do I do to get rid of this? Well, add in the juice. Mm. All right. So I want to move away from uh, oregano oil and, and talk about black seed. Mm. What is it? Where does it come from? What do you do with it? <coughs> black seed. <coughs> Down the wrong part. Black seed comes from the black seed from Nigella sativa. That's the seed in the in the uh, Mediterranean that you, it's black. It turns that color, and you press the oil out. It's oil rich. They used to use it in Pharaoh's time for a cosmetic. It was Nefertiti's beauty secret? She'd rub it on her her face and use it, soak her nails, and rubbed it into her hair. And Cleopatra used it too. But they knew it was a good antiparasitic, great for digestive. Helps with gallstones. They knew about it back in Pharaoh's time. They used to stick it in the tombs. But then the Prophet Muhammad make it popular by saying it's good for everything but death. You know, he was a spice <laughs> trader, so he, right. he could see that it had value. And, and, it, and it has a lot of value, but mainly, if you look at a black seed, this is going to shock some people, the black seed looks just like a heart muscle. Hmm. And it even looks like it has coronary arteries. The little seed does. You look under a microscope. Now, if it's good for every disease, almost everything that bothers us is our heart gets a little weak. Diabetes, poor circulation, fatigue, hypothyroidism. So we've got to keep the heart in good shape. Kiss history. I had a guy who had a heart rate of 100. I made him take four tablespoons of black seed, and it dropped to 59 without any exercise. How are you going to do that? It's working on the brain stem, you see, not just the heart muscle. And I had many cases, maybe 200 of hypertension. They're all normal. All normal, but with high doses usually. And then it's placed like the healthy plant or the mom and pa's should have good quality black seed. Or you take... Say two tablespoons a day. If it's a tough hypertensive case, two tablespoons twice a day. So for the heart, for the digestion, for the skin, or, you know, and, and I've even treated this alopecia successfully with the black seed, you know, where they lose patches of hair. Right, right. Does it come in in, uh, in, in capsules or just the oil? Capsules with fennel and cumin. I like those. And also in just straight oil. Uh, eight ounce bottle or so, and you take it straight down the hatch, <clears throat> depending on your nose. So I I'm I don't know about the taste of black seed oil that much, so I go with the capsules, and I I swallow I don't know six of those a day or so. Now let's say that black seed for the pancreas. There's a lot of work showing it's anti-diabetic. So skin, heart, and diabetes, digestive tract. And the kidneys, it has a regenerative action there. There's, that's, I mean, that's enough. The lungs, the asthmatics, there's eight scientific studies showing it's effective for asthma, bronchospasm. Hmm. So, you, you know, we don't have any drugs that could, that could be useful for like five or ten major diseases. But the, the herbaceuticals or the, you know, the herbs, they have that power. And it only grows in the where in the Middle mm. East? No, because I'm taking supplements. It can grow in India, Pakistan, 
but Ethiopia that seems to be the best place is Turkey uh, and uh, and then Egypt. So that whole Fertile Crescent sort of area, right? The hot climate. Is, isn't it interesting can't that grow it here? No. When you look at the seed under the microscope, it looks like a heart muscle. And isn't that interesting that that food that looks like certain parts of the body is good for that part of the body? Well, so let, let's say the pumpkin. Yeah. That looks like you know what. And then you use good for the prostate and the testicular function and all that. I don't know what else is there. Uh, oh, the uh, like let's walnuts. It looks like the brain. Right? It does. It does. And we know. We know. And then you have this issue of the what is that that uh, uh, the red pepper is red like a heart right mm-hmm. and pomegranate looks kind of like a heart right and it's a heart medicine and red grape also like the blood in the oh. heart okay got to take a quick time out we'll come back with Cass Ingram stay with us right here on the conspiracy show my name is Richard Serrett Big Brother is listening and so are you to the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. CassIngram.com. Cass, C-A-S-S-I-N-G-R-A-M. CassIngram.com. Wild tree resin. What resin are we talking about? Well, you see, frankincense and myrrh. We kind of talked about the Old Testament, which is interesting that that oregano's in there and black seed, but also you frankincense and myrrh. But you can't really eat that stuff that much, and who knows because it's far away and all that. But uh, the tree resins from pine, from spruce, from the fir tree, or whatever, the balsams and so on, from are the Canadian boreal forest. They have a value, right? Because your natives used to consume pine bark and spruce bark if you were desperate. So can we can we use the resin? Well, we I found that just like my native friend said, the resin's the kingpin for psoriasis and eczema, right? If you you have a lot of that up there. Now some of us live in Toronto. We just want a supplement. So something like the spruce drops. You see it on my website. Uh, or the spruce cream, see it there. And uh, so so the pine is more difficult to get, but the Turks harvest pine resin uh, from their trees in, the, in, the, in that area. So spruce and pine seem to be the easiest ones to get a hold of, and they, they have a medicinal property for the skin. We also use the spruce to heal wounds, like if somebody has a decubitus ulcer, Something happened and it won't heal a bed sore. Well, you take that spruce along with maybe the oregano, and for some reason, the skin will heal over. It's been known for, I don't know, four thousand years that it does that. So, could you go out into your backyard and just and get some yeah. some pine resin and and put it on? You could. I mean, it's awfully sticky. Yeah, it's like... you got, and that's the that's the benefit of the drops. They're not sticky, and the cream isn't really sticky. But you could you could go get it if it's you've got some spruce trees in the back forest, and uh, you just see some of that 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 wad on there, and you carve it off. You know, being careful not to hurt the tree. And the pine is, I think, a little gluier even. Uh, the spruce is a little more easy to work with. But yeah, you ha- you can get that. And 
chew on it, like they used to call it Hercules gum, was back famous eight different brands back about 1890. And if you chew on it, you get some high strength, you know. Um, it's a Canadian, a Canadian opportunity. Hmm. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you go to my website, you'll see the spruce cream and the spruce drops. But not, I got those from Canada. You'll see the pine. I got that from the Turks. Uh, and uh, there's a chaga, which is on birch tree. So you've got a lot of tree medicine there. Chaga, chagas, I mean, you've got the birch bark. You've got the pine. You've got the spruce. And, uh, yeah, the, the birch bark. Uh, that's Well, we have birch trees uh my, my mother's place. We've had a, a, a clump of a cluster of, of, of birch trees for like 50 years they're only supposed to live like 30 or 30 years yeah max. they live they don't live that long no and uh but it's papery like so what do you do with that well you make a tea you cut that and chop it up and and make a nice tea with a little honey and it's just delicious and nutritious and what does it do for you antioxidant so that you don't break down and don't age if you were to make an infusion on a regular basis as antiseptic it's a great thing. Now, you'll see the chaga black tea, where the chaga and the, and the birch bark are together. You can see that. And some people say, well, I don't really have time to go harvest a tree. They just want the stuff. And uh, it's already mixed in there, in that chaga black or chaga charge or whatever they call it. And those are just little tubs that you'd buy at a health store. And the chaga is what when when a when a birch tree is injured, let's say um, scarred, this injured or diseased or whatever, yeah. The the tree produces this chaga is almost like a band aid. Right, and you have to you understand that it might take five or twenty years to make a chaga, so you don't again want farm raised. You want the wild kind that grows on the Canadian birch trees. So you either harvest your own or. You you or you you buy it and all pulverized, ready to go, and you can get some capsules or you can get some powder. But you got to be careful not to buy the fake stuff. And again, what is the chaga good for? Well, chaga has a value to spontaneously remission in heart disease, atrial fibrillation, uh, diabetes. That's huge. That if we were to take it regularly, we we had those diseases. Uh, prostate disorders. Now, I'll tell you, it's interesting. The chaga, in the crude state, has an enzyme, SOD and ergosterol synthase, and the enzymes eat psoriasis off yesterday. Psoriasis and eczema. So many Canadians suffer with this. Uh, and, and if you could get a hold of the chaga drops or the chaga capsules, chaga power drops, I think, and you, you could take those raw drops, you saturate a tulfa, or you, maybe you could harvest it and soak, make a big, really strong soak. I don't know if it'd be strong enough. And you, you tape it on the psoriatic lesion, guaranteed it will eat it off. That's pretty pretty big statement. Wow. It's just that good, again, man. That, that's the chaga that grows on uh, birch trees. Yeah, right. it's, it's like, and it looks like a psoriatic plaque anyway, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So your psoriasis and your eczema don't stand a chance to this stuff, uh, but it's got to be in the raw state, not the tea or the alcohol extract. See, I think we don't do enough 
careful scrutiny of the botanical. We want to buy it for the efficacy. We we should scrutinize a little bit. You know, is it what we want? Is it going to do the job? Have they farm raised it somewhere in China? We don't want that. You know, is it the wild plant? Did they use hexane petrochemical? <laughs> All right, Cass, i got to take another time out. We'll uh, come back and uh, discuss more natural remedies. The cure is in the forest, perhaps. Stay with us. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. So, uh, the mighty Aphrodite and I were in the Food Basics uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and the first time I've ever seen it in a grocery store up here in the, in the well, we're up in Thornhill, just north of Toronto, but we saw turmeric, turmeric. Really? What it, kind? I don't know. We just saw the, uh, you know, the. Um, well, it, it looks absolutely like, something. Like, no, no, no. In the produce department, it looks like it looks like ginger, right? Yeah, I mean, they by popular demand, the fresh root. Yeah, I never seen it in a grocery store before. But anyway, uh, so turmeric. That's the golden root miracle, right? That's the golden root miracle, and the turmeric has little value as a germicide comparatively, and big value as a blockade of inflammatory reactions, pain and inflammation. Skin conditions is pretty good. So turmeric's claim to flame is is to block the COX-2 inflammatory cascade. What the, what is that? That's the same cascade that, that indocin blocks or cortisone block that aspirin. And so if you want to replace all the drugs, you'd use turmeric and ginger because they do the same thing. That's where they learned about this. All right, so... Now, what is the connection between turmeric and cumin? Not really much, because there are cumin two is things? the brown. There's two kinds of cumin. There's the black cumin, which really isn't black cumin. It's nigella sativa. That's the black seed. And then there's the brown cumin, which has value, like a caraway seed has a value. Um, but the brown cumin is good for as a germicide and... It's, it seems to be really good for the heart muscle, for the brain, for preventing. It has an antioxidant, prevents Alzheimer's type of disease. It's anti-diabetic. You have to know what the indication is for each specific plant. Otherwise, you're just shooting up the wrong tree. And then the same with cayenne. Well, you're not going to use cayenne to kill a coronavirus or some flu you use cayenne to open up the microcirculation. Let's say you have gangrene. You can use oil of oregano because it's antifungal because gangrene is a fungus. And you might save your foot or your hand. But if you use cayenne pepper, 50-50. We don't know. Hmm. You have to know the indication. So <clears throat> if you're trying to improve the microcirculation but it's a fungus, you've got to kill the fungus instead. If you're trying to kill the fungus, but you really need to, you know, get the plaque out of your arteries, then you've got to take something that eats the plaque out. Did you know there are certain things that do? If you give them to the people and you measure their, uh, what is it, uh, usually the angiography, or they measure, 
you measure somehow the plaque, you go in six months later, and it's gone. Did you know that was possible? No. It's pomegranate that does that. Pomegranate? Yeah, and red grape. Yeah, they both do. The extract from the seed or just eating the fruit? <clears throat> the Both. The, you know, the red grapes now, unfortunately, have been hybridized. But if we could get the organic kind, and if we could get the extract, like resvital. Now, case history. I had this person. They had a stone. The stone was in the duct. And they were in unmerciful pain. It was the duct of the parotid gland. I said, don't worry about that. Just take my recommendation for eating the calcium stones. Red sour grape, breast vital. Hold a teaspoon under the tongue. A few hours later, out slips the stone. But now it had no calcium on it. It was just a slippery piece of cholesterol. So it was able to slip through the duct. It couldn't slip when I had the calcium coating. You know, it was caught up. Right. And that's what's going on in the arteries. It gets caught up around the calcium, and then you could have like a clot or something. Stroke, heart attack. And what are you taking for that again, then? That's called red sour grape resvital. i got to send something. You can try that. I wish I could say if somebody out there could, you know, okay, I'm 70% blocked. So let's give this. You know, you're seeing your doctor anyway. Nothing wrong. You give this, and then we talk to them in, I don't know, a couple months. They take the black seed for the heart, for the arteries. They take the red sour grape and see how they get along. The res vital material. And, uh, you know, places, if they don't, your health food store, right? If they don't help you, then you just kind of beat up on them a little bit and say you want them to special order. They will do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh what about the health benefits of raw honey? When we oh, say, that's a whole, you know, you can get the free book. I think it's still there. The health benefits of raw honey uh, is on the website. So now, that's a big one. But were you going to get the honey from canola back in 1902 or, or, or in, you know, in 2000 B.C.? You had the honey the bees were finding, and they were eating their own sugar, their own honey. So if you want to get a honey as a drug, you have to get from bees, never fed sugar. And that's going to be the Canadian prairie honey, the wild oregano honey, that type of thing, the orange blossom honey, the thistle honey from Lebanon. Otherwise, you buy the honey, and they feed the bees sugar, and you get whatever you get. But, right. you know, when you get the other kind, okay, case history. Me, I was... On the road, and I kept eating the chocolate bars, the organic cacao. I got so much oxalic acid, I got sick. My, I, my kidney, my, the pain. You can't believe. I would roll in bed in pain. I, was, I don't know if you've had that screaming. I tried all kinds of things, oregano oil, black seed. I did. I tried a red grape even. But I ate three jars of the honey, and it cured me. Flat out. That's, you know, that honey, the right kind, is the best for the kidneys of anything you could ever do for yourself. If you have kidney failure, if you have kidney stones, if you have urinary retention, if you have bladder, if you have kidney infection, eat the, the medicinal honey for that. But it's got to be unpasteurized, right? Non-pasteurized has to be. Now, you know, Pharaoh knew a thing or two. He put 18 tons in his tomb, or somebody did. 
Why did he do that? They were using it as a drug. They knew it was medicinal. If your digestion is messed up, the honey will fix you. If the right, you get the right kind. It won't help if you get the canola or sunflower full of pesticides or something. It has to be, uh, you know, the beekeeper just lets the bees go, and they go and collect the natural and the poplar and the dandelions, this and that and the other, and they come back, and he, he leaves them alone. He doesn't feed them fake sugar all the time. All now, you, you told me once something about uh, buying unpasteurized honey. And something, if you have allergies, you go to, um, you, you buy the honey. Yeah, the local honey. Yeah. The local honey. It has to be the local honey. And so what does that do for allergies? Well, there's a pollen in there, right? So your, your, your body gets used to the little pollens and you become sensitized. So you're not reacting when you expose yourself. You, you desensitize your, your body. Oh, that's interesting. So the respiratory, the pollen, the bronchial, they benefit the chronic cough. There was a study on kids. That it was the two-year-old kids, you know, I think two-year-old kids, they gave the honey. You know, oh, you can't give honey for, oh, sh- just shut up for a minute. <laughs> and they gave the honey, and they dramatically improved, but the codeine cough syrup killed some of the kids. Oh. Not the honey. Now, and it's it's the best medicine for diarrhea in infants or adults. So the Journal of Pediatrics, very orthodox, gave intravenous honey for diarrhea, and it worked ten times better than Pedialyte or anything they could give them. Just honey. But again, it's got to be the raw. Well, I I mean I would. Yeah. I don't know if I'd IV that. I'm sure they sterilized it, but I would. Uh, I mean, I would give the infant a teaspoon of that honey three five times a day or four times, whatever it would take to get their intestines working right. Mm. I would get the Canadian prairie honey. I wouldn't get the kind they feed the bee sugar for the babies. Right. I would get this. I would go on my website and look. I don't know where you can beat up the people in, in Canada, but the poor people, you know, this all these laws and regulations. And so I'd say probably the website for the honey yeah, I don't know. Right, it's the ebook is available for free. At, yeah, uh, they get the ebook. Cass Ingram. All the different kinds of honey. There weren't too many I could find. There were only about seven that were available, mostly on the web, some in stores. Because you know, bees are funny. The bee king, the king bee, uh, tells them, "Look, I just want you to get clover for the next six months," and the whole, the whole of everything is clover. Or you're just going to get the tupelo tree, that the sap, and that's it. Nothing else. Don't screw around with the These dandelion. These are smart. Well, Cass, we are out of time, but it's CassIngram.com. Don't forget the P73 oregano, wild oregano oil. And um, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> he seemed upset. He was in a, such a hurry. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> He's all right. Known him a long time. All right, my thanks to Carlos and Ryan back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Happy birthday to you. Hey. Bye. 
Where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.